0: Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework.
1: Welcome back to The Rework. Today's guest is Drake Busey, owner of Busey Photography in Salt Lake City, Utah. Busey Photography is the premier portrait studio in Salt Lake City. They have been creating beautiful child and family portraits for 50 years. That's five zero. Drake started pushing a broom in his parents' portrait studio when he was a teenager took over the business from his parents, and is now in the process of transitioning the business to his two sons. Our conversation centers around what Drake feels is the core of their success, what has allowed them to support three families and their employees for so many years. And it all comes down to a classical style, consistency within that style, and being incredibly clear on what they do and what they don't do. I'm so excited for you to hear all of his tips on posing, directing in a shoot, everything from how to get a one-year-old to give you a good expression to how do you engage the mind of a four-year-old, and ultimately it all coming together to tell a true story inside every single image that they create. Poses that look good, but little stories in between the people that make those images have meaning for generations, that make those images transcend trend. Let's do it. Welcome, Drake ViewSafe, to the Rework Podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here today.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Up in snowy Utah.
2: Mm-hmm. Not so snowy today, but uh, but it could happen any minute.
1: <laughs> I love it. Drake, I think one of the great things that's so amazing about you and your business and is that you have a legacy. You know your your you photography is now in its third generation. You're transitioning the business to your boys. And you took the business over from your parents. And so I think that's such a unique perspective in, in this industry. And so I'm really looking forward to talking with you today about some of the things that we talked about before together, but just maybe talking a little bit about trends, classic portraiture versus you know the latest, greatest thing, that sort of thing. I'd love to just jump in and talk about whatever you want to talk about.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, we are we are coming up. It just dawned on me the other day that next year is our fiftieth year really? in business. Five oh that's and amazing. We've got to come up with some kind of great celebration. And and what's stranger, Allison, is that I was there in I was in junior high, but I was there, you know, sweeping the floors and working in the dark room, had my hands in the chemistry 50 years ago. And so we how, do. How
1: is that possible? You couldn't have been in junior high. You must have been like in preschool. <laughs> Thank
2: you. <laughs> I was there. And, uh, but I, you know, I got started really full-time 40 some years ago, like 42 years ago. So I'm an old guy and we are an old business. And it's kind of, it's very nice to realize in a way that, we, that we've been through a lot of wars and we're are still hanging in. You know, most of my Contemporaries that were active and had going concerns in the eighties are are gone. If they're not dead, they're <laughs> they're selling real estate or something. Because right, but we're one of those you know surviving brick and mortar studios from those days, and we've figured out how to adapt and stay on top of the the wave a little bit.
1: Well, I think that's... You can't have a business that is still in business and profitable after 50 years without doing something right. I think that's amazing. And when we were... We spoke a little bit yesterday and you were talking about how at the end of the year, you kind of realized like, wow, this is amazing. This business is supporting 3 families. Mm -hmm. Basically, you and your 2 boys that are taking over the business, but then also all of the employees that work for you as well.
2: Right which that's is such very a... satisfying it is sometimes I really do I sit back and and I feel great satisfaction over that that there are several families that depend on income from here and and they're good people and I've always loved working with people that's been it's a driving force for in in the you know in the style of our business is that I don't like to work alone. I really like to be surrounded by people and and, that's, and if you have employees, then you have to do a little more business to keep them map and keep everybody paid. And that sort of has been a driving force for us in in the style of the business that we have now.
1: The thing that I think is interesting, too, and many people listening may not realize this, is that... So you're in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm-hmm. And I would say... And you specialize in portraits of family and children. That is your bread and butter.
2: That's right. We... Uh, we stopped doing weddings about 10 or 12 years ago. So it's children and families represent about half our income. And then the rest is children and graduates. We do still do a fair number of that of high school senior graduates. And then about a fourth of our business is business-related headshots because we're downtown. Gotcha. And so we're really well located and well-known for business portraits. A lot of headshots, a lot of a lot of companies depend on us and send us their new hires regularly, and a lot of, you know, law firms and accounting firms and that kind of business.
1: The other thing about your market is in Utah, I would bet if somebody did a poll like Gallup or somebody, mm-hmm. I think Utah has probably the largest per capita shoot and burn mom photographer of the world. I would, I would not say be
2: surprised.
1: I I, I mean, that is probably like every mom has a camera in Utah. And so you have not just survived, but thrived through, like you say, you started out in the dark room. There have been so many trends that have come and gone in this industry from the big, huge, super luxury studios, the volume studios, and then down to this new, the last 20 years has been just, you know, digital and so many hobbyists coming into the market. And really, what a lot of people, a lot of your contemporaries were complaining about at many conventions like these girls are just ruining right. in the industry and right, it's all going right. to hell in a handbasket. But here you are supporting all these families with this amazing business. And so let's dig into that. What do you think? What would you attribute your success or your longevity to?
2: Okay, well that's that's a big question. But I would start <laughs> with, uh, yeah, I, I want to know would, everything. Uh, you know, I would start with just the fact that I'm not a very creative thinker, and I, I didn't invest in Bitcoin, and uh, so. so <laughs> So we just keep doing the same thing over and over, uh, oblivious to what's going on around us. But that's partially true. But that's not the biggest driver. We, I think our clients have always recognized our work as different than the new generation that came along. And so we were really not competing with those young women that are out photographing in the field with no tripod, with their mm-hmm. kit camera. Because our clients really, we before that happened, we really did have the reputation for a painterly style and a little more uh, classical look. So I think it's the classical style that we produce uh, and the consistency of that that's kept us in our clients' minds. So they'll go and, of course, have uh, experiment with other photographers, freelance photographers, and then they come back to us and realize, you know, and tell us. That when it's really important, they'll come here because they realize it's it's, it's something a little bit different, special, and it's, it's different because of the style. That's one thing I'm suggesting that it's classical style. And it's it's also different because if we're photographing a family, we put a lot more care into it, and they re, they realize that you know that that uh, there's an assistant there, for instance, helping with their children. We're working with with professional lighting. Even if we're outdoors, we have these locations and sets, you know, little vignettes here at our place in the gardens.
1: Can you tell a little bit about that? Kind of about the what your setup is like, the house yeah. and a
2: little. Yeah, we're sure we're in an old home, and it's right in the center of the historic district downtown. So we're, you know, our neighbors are the governor's mansion and, and these, these the old the first mansions that were built in Salt Lake, and we're one of those. It's a. It's not a big lot, but about a half an acre, uh, a little more, and just enough yard space so that we could develop the gardens. And we we renamed the studio at one point in the 90s, Buisth Studio and Gardens, because we really recognized that people wanted to go outdoors, but I didn't want to traipse around in the public parks and compete right. for those good spaces. So, mm-hmm. so every year we just we just build a new vignette of some kind, a new a new wall to sit on or a new set of stairs or some boulders or you know a new wall and we've got enough variety now that we could the people can come back year after year and there's always something different there's a little forest scene we have sort of adopted the neighbor's yard now oh how fun uh, there's an office building next door to us and and we just slowly you know stayed friendly enough with them and said uh, that we could say hey do you mind if we bring some stones in and build a little <laughs> patio in this unused space. And Can we use your forest? Trees. <laughs> yeah, I planted, I think just last year, I planted maybe 25 trees on there. Oh my gosh. Uh, so it'll take a little while to grow in, you know, and become the forest that we want. But but uh, they also have a big lawn. and So anyway, we don't have to leave the, the property. That was a culture that was built by my parents. They were determined to operate the business between nine o'clock and six o'clock. Hmm. And uh-huh. now we've, I've narrowed that down from 10 to ten to <laughs> six. And that means that we can't we can't be out on the hillside in the summer at nine o'clock waiting for the last light mm-hmm. because we've, me and now my sons have children at home. And so, so you mm-hmm. know that story, yeah.
1: right? Balance, so, trying to have a little so balance. How do, you,
2: how do you do outdoor work? And please, you know, satisfy that client demand or desire. And not have you know not be traipsing around so much. So that's the, the gardens are an important part of our business. And now I'm really focused on developing our studio style and making better use of the. We have two camera rooms here, and we can really occupy them more. You know, get more use out of them. But that's, that's what we're working on. I see that definitely being our the, you know the few, our, the next ten years of our focus is developing our studio work. It's right now it's a little bit dusty. Okay. To be honest, you know, I mean, it's, we, we're just working on freshening that up. And I don't know if any of your listeners could relate if they're old enough to relate to having a a style that gets a little dusty. I think
1: so. I think, I do think that we, a lot of our listeners are, have been in business a little bit longer than we don't attract a ton of beginners, you know, so it's, it's usually more seasoned portrait
2: photographers. That's definitely part of the way that we've stayed in business too, is we've just, you know, continued to adapt. I don't want to go back into history too far, but, but really, I've lived through the wars. worst. The, started in the darkroom, we started, you know, with the chemistry. Even in the 90s, we were printing our own work. The photographer would print, take their own negative into the color darkroom and print it so that we had total control because cause my dad was a total control freak and. Mm-hmm. had trust issues I think <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but, typical entrepreneur but that those kind of cultural norms they get they get really deep into a, a business like ours and and it's hard to shake them so we've all we we just we print our own work now so we're doing all our own canvases and stretching and mounting and framing it's all here so it's all in-house so that's part of the part I don't know that that helped us survive but it I keep saying survive, but it, we really have grown. We've had continuous Yeah, you're growth.
1: thriving. You're not just surviving. You're right. thriving.
2: Yeah, yeah, I kid about surviving because uh, I'm attending friends' funerals now. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> we really have sustained continuous growth through the last 20 years.
1: One of the things that you said when we were speaking yesterday was that one of the core tenets of Be Safe Photography is producing an image with history in mind. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on
2: that a little bit? I obsess okay. about this concept. I feel that when I'm making a, a portrait, that, uh, especially family groups, because those are the photographs that I feel have the most potential to become a, an important historical document. I just feel that if we can tell a true story inside that family group, that it adds so much value to the image. And by story, we all know kind of that gets tossed around a lot. For me, it doesn't have to be a dramatic story. Uh, it can be mom just that last second of reaching over and touching her fourteen-year-old's hand, and that uh, gesture of protection. Those little things, and and it could be the nine-year-old girl resting her head against her dad's shoulder. Mm-hmm. To me, I see that as okay. That's a character trait that that little girl has that will follow her, and when she's fifty years old, that will be so valuable. Her dad's gone. She yeah. was the one that hung close to him. And then maybe there's that child in the middle. That's the bridge, you know, that's, yeah. the, that's that, the middle child like me, I'm the, I'm the middle child of the glue. five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the, the diplomat in the family, yeah. right? Yeah. The problem solver, the, the one that keeps the peace. And if you could illustrate that in a portrait and, and every family has these, you, you can identify pretty quickly. I know but we all can identify those things. It's just taking that little time at the end to um stop and and think through that. I always talk about with our photographers about this about floating and it's it's this idea that once you we've blocked out the family and it and we're shooting in a in a quite you know classical static style, you know, they're there for a minute. Mm-hmm. We've blocked them out. <laughs> I know that your families are are in motion, you know. <laughs> you're just more clever than I am that way. But, no. but once we get it blocked out and we've got sort of the body, the strategic layering and the color mix that we need and, and a nice head arrangement with the melodic flow to it. Uh, then at the last second, you've got so much in your head, the lighting, the the expression. You've got to be entertaining that four-year-old at mm-hmm. the same time as the 16-year-old is mm-hmm. rolling their eyes. Dad's impatient. You've got Dad. so mm-hmm. much. This um photographer once told me a story about how he was camping and a wolverine approached his camp and so he just floated up into the tree and waited for the wolverine to disappear. And and he was he was this is a, a Fred Heingartner, a real character, and he told me this straight faced. And I think he, the story though was illustrating that I, I took it to illustrate the fact that you're in danger in you're in this crazy situation. Yes. All that's going on. Somehow you've got to just rise out of your body and see this image as a graphic shape. Yes. And then take care of those problems. And then somehow leave the conversation, leave, leave your body a little bit and, and look for those little stories that could potentially be happening there. And I, I, you know, we've had several photographers work for us over the years and I've trained a lot of assistants and I think that's a, one of the, the most rare qualities in a photographer is that ability to float and make those decisions in the middle of that chaos, especially with families. Agreed. Right? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you you photograph the same families that I do. Yeah. Well, we... Um, more or less. You,
1: you and I had a... Well, yeah, actually, and we have shared clients too because you're in Utah and I'm in Arizona. And so right. you have clients that go back and forth and we have crossed over with that, which is really fun. And you and I, let's see, 2020, we were in a group together. We did a shoot together. And you called shot, me out. I called you out. We, we shot the same family.
2: Shoot out. Yeah. yeah,
1: we did. We shot the same family. You shot them first. And then I came in and, and shot him second. And that was so much fun to watch you work. It was an yeah. education because we... And we were in my studio. So you were using my lights, my studio and a family that I knew that I had photographed before and to watch how you set that up versus how I would set it up. It was an education. I just loved, but the thing that I thought was interesting is there were parts. Could you
2: feel, by the way, could you feel the fear in me?
1: No, there's never, I mean, you,
2: you, you are <laughs> I mean, very other internal. In the room, you you're very, <laughs>
1: no, you're very internal. You, you are just like, you always look like you're just like, you just smoked a joint. You're like very yeah. chill, yeah, but yet I mean, under, but on the same. inside, you're like going crazy. Churning, so that, yeah. You're churning. Yes. So I, I'm the opposite it's all on the outside. There's nothing. (laughs) What you see is what you get. There's no... Yeah. It's all crazy. So anyway, so watching you do that and how I saw that, how you positioned everybody, you kind of looked for that kid that was the bridge. You put her in the middle. You kind of had this beautiful graphic composition. Then how you directed that shoot was so interesting to me because you're very quiet.
2: Yeah. Directing is such a fascinating topic, isn't it? Different styles of directing. Yeah. And it's so important to family work where you're directing different ages. And I, you know, honestly, I mean, I don't want to swell your head anymore, but you're such a fine director. I mean, and you, our directing styles are absolutely different.
1: Different, but, but kind of aligned because you're, that's what was so interesting to me because I'm like, he's doing what I do, but he's just doing it. Like you're still jacking with them psychologically, a hundred percent. That's, yeah. I think that's where you and I align is we're very much psychologically shrinking the whole thing, the whole energy. We're completely managing everything that's happening, mm-hmm. but we're just doing it in completely different ways. Cause you're over there like, okay. Is there something on my head? You know, you're, so you're talking this and I'm like, you know, like screaming and there's music. And, but again, it's, you're in complete control.
2: That's true. That's, that's that. Yeah. On a good day. Yes.
1: No, 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 (laughs) No, not on on any day. That's just how you roll.
2: I absolutely think that's, this is interesting to me. I felt like at some point in my early career, I reached that point where I felt like I was in total control and then i reached and then i kind of hit another plateau and i know you'll relate to this where i started to trust the client to dance with me a little bit yeah right And but i think i photographed for five ten years where i controlled every movement of their body to a mechanical away and then i learned to do that and like uh, you, you'll completely understand this that I call it unposing, where you're manipulating it. You know where you want them to go, but you're going to get them there on their own, by their own will, yes, and not by yours. And so I talk to our assistants and photographers a lot about that. Like, I would never tell someone to lean to your right you know? Yeah. But I would say, where I look way down there. Now glance back at me. Yes. You know, and and I would use these um, really general open terms because when they're, they feel like they found that position, they're more comfortable with it. Their spine doesn't hurt. Their neck doesn't hurt. Yeah. They come away thinking that was a natural. I, I was, I was, teaching once in korea with a very famous photographer i won't tell you his name i loved the man he was a mentor of mine but he was demonstrating he needed a somebody to pose i went up and posed and he reached over and grabbed my nose and used it to move my head and tilt it and turn it oh my god and then stepped back to the camera and i knew at that in that instant that that was one of the you know the learning experiences for me like oh okay I can control them, but but I've got to find a way to do it without them thinking I'm controlling them. Because I sat there and he turned my nose, you know, uh, twisted my head with with it. And and I felt this pain in the base of my neck, you know. I could could feel physical discomfort because of what happened there. And I knew that when I saw the images uh, that that would still be in my, in my head, you know. And the same thing happens. I've seen a, a hundred photographers using their hands like they're on a runway with a big jet, you know, and they're directing people like tilt your hands this way and yeah. your body tilts that way. And people still feel there's a physiological problem with that. They're not in control. They feel like they're being posed. So.
1: And you can see that on the, in their expression, there's like a hesitancy. They're like, exactly. they're not engaged, and they're kind of right. they're either checked out and removed, or they're unsure and kind of at an awkward
2: angle. Right, exactly. That awkward, that expression, it completely shows. And so, and all that has to happen in the middle of this chaos. So
1: yes, and we the, the thing that I think that our listeners may may not know if, if they're looking at your website or looking at mine, we photograph large families. Mm. And I don't mean like fat people, but although (laughs) that too, but like Mm. families with many children. So we'll photograph a family of four kids six kids eight kids that's just that's every day that's normal so this is not like get your 2.5 little cuties in here and let's make this happen like we shot yesterday a little boy that was like six and little sister was four and then mom and dad and that was like falling off a log it was easiest thing ever so yeah. you know compared to those bigger families so like what you're saying there is this amount of chaos and so I think many people, when they're doing something like that, they like you're saying, they want to make it completely controlled and then to this perfection or maybe just releasing that. But Mm -hmm. if you can get it set up, and I've watched you do this. And the thing that I think is really interesting about your work is you keep saying, well, classic or it's safe or whatever. I don't think it's that at all. I think it is classic. It does transcend trend. But there is a freshness to your work that's always been there in every image of yours that i've seen that you Thank can you. tell that it's just beautiful it will stand the test of time no question but there's something else there and i think what it is is it's that direction it's that engagement yeah and the collaboration with the client and so how are you doing that like what are you i know cuz i've seen it but i want to i want you to tell our listeners what mm-hmm. are you doing what are some of the things that you're doing i know one of the things you say is engaging their mind
2: yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a quote from my dad that rings in my head all the time. So when their, their mind's engaged, which means just asking them a question. And it might be a child, right? But that's looking in their, their face is in neutral and we need some, some expression. So, but it's, it's all a distraction, right? It's, it's all different methods of distraction. So I, I could think about some specific little techniques that I go back to a lot. One of them that I learned really, re- really late in my career was just to explain the concept to them going in, you know, first have a concept like, yeah, and then yeah. share that with them. And so I'm not trying to trick them into things now. If they understand the concept, then one or two of them will will actually help me with it, right? And they'll they'll add to it. So I remember standing in front of a bunch of business, well, church leaders once and saying, listen, in past, the pictures are pretty static. I really need you to show me how you feel about one another. Because I, I think there is a brotherhood here and there's a friendship here and there's love between you. And I need you to help me illustrate that. And I don't think it's ever been done in the history of this group photo that's been done over a hundred years, you know? Yeah. And that was, uh, it was kind of a daring thing to say to that particular group, but it, it really had an effect. So with the family, I will talk about that list. I will say something like, let's imagine that you guys are here together and you're talking to each other. And that's the concept. You're talking to each other. That means you've got to turn your body so you can see each other. Mm-hmm. You're not going to turn your back to someone and lean up. You've got to turn. So, you, so let's do that. And then the last second you glanced over and you noticed me, you know, it's, um, the paparazzi or something. Yeah. To so we start with that. and then And then a lot of little engaging children is... The a science, right? And it's and so fun. You, no one's better at it than you are. No, it's no, that's I not true. But do. it's so fun. I love it. My my favorite techniques are are suspense. I can If I can create suspense, and that's usually this object, I can hold it on my head, you know, and it never falls off and they know it's going to fall off. And I set it, you know, or close to the group and then I'll back up to the camera and, and the children, they know the gag's going to happen. And I'm going to photograph before the, the laugh, you know, before yes. it happens. But their little backs straighten a little bit, and their necks raise up a little bit, and their eyes open because they're in photographing anticipation. That's yeah. the expression I want on children, and and then the younger ones that won't sit still, I use discipline. I kind of channel Allison on this one. I'll, <laughs> I will I will yell at that puppet and tell it to sit still right there. You sit on that chair, don't you move? Or I, I'm going to be so angry at you. And you look over and that little two-year-old who was jumping off the stool is just frozen now because he knows that tone of voice. Oh, yeah. It's not threatening to him.
1: Totally. Somebody else is in trouble. I, yeah, someone yeah. else is
2: in trouble. And the little four-year-olds, they're, I, I always call them sadists, you know, because they love <laughs> the fact that this puppet's getting yelled at and that the puppet's going to get the best of me in the end. Yes. Right? And so they love to see this, the discomfort that the, what's the definition of the suffering of others, something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's a little circus, you know, and but suspense and discipline and and humiliation, uh, humil self humiliation. Yeah. Those are my top three tools. <laughs> yeah. But those translate if, if I know that if I talk to that two year old, four year old, that I've got the whole family. Yep. This the teenagers will soften, you know. Yeah. I can't speak on a teenage level and an adult level all at once. I, You know, you try. You throw in some adult kind of references yeah. where you can. But, but really, if, you know, my son Richard is better than me at this and, and, and maybe the best I've ever seen. Um, he's right up there in your league. And he, he works quietly. But I've had multiple times parents come up to me later and say, how did he do that? <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, did you just see what he did, you know? Because we get a lot of three-generation groups, yes. and there's always that request for grandma with uh, 12 grandchildren. Yes. And the oldest is 10. Yeah. And it's it's absolutely impossible.
1: Yeah. It's a total poop show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Richard's technique is to just start whispering and treat it like, you know, this is a super reverent situation. Yeah. <laughs> and i've watched him do that uh so many times and and he's great at it but anyway so what are
1: they doing so he's like he's doing well
2: sh- yeah he's he will he will not get friendly with the children early you know like meeting them out in the reception area walking into the camera room he will not be joking and trying to befriend them he'll just act like the authority figure and he'll set this quiet expectation with the adults send most of them away keep only necessary ones put up a big reflector and have them the adults stand behind it so there's no one else to look at and then he will just go really close to the group and start whispering and then he will kind of practice the same similar techniques but he's a funnier kind of he has children that age so yeah he, he's got better references for them but he will you know pluck off a child's toe and eat it. You ever do that one?
1: No, I um, don't, but that, that I could see that. It would be so that's,
2: good. That, that's a great little <laughs> technique because yeah. children are not threatened if you reach for their feet, but if you reach for their body, it scares yeah. them. Yeah. I'm sure there's some psychological study that proves this, that you can reach for a one-year-old's toes and it does not threaten them. And after you pluck the toe off, which entertains this, the other kids. Yes. And you taste it. And then the next t- one tastes awful. do you step in, blah, 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 you know. But once you do that, the little child reaches for their own toast and it solves that with their hands. And, st- and it's this, so cute. This, yeah. Instead of their hands out to the sides and, and all over, they're creating this beautiful little body shape. But I could go on for it. I'll tell you what, that's one of the most pleasurable parts of this business for me is a little, a group like that. That's maybe, you know, several children, like you described and that the parents have given up on ever getting right. Yes, and conquering it, and conquering it quietly. I think that's that's my favorite part of the business. Someone asked once at an interview, "Who's the most famous person you photographed?" And you you hear that, right? Yeah. And and I just thought, I just I realized that you know what, my favorite person was the eight year old last week. That totally.
1: Yes, but the naughty I, that Robert the four Redford. Year old.
2: Yeah, yeah, was a pain in the butt. But yeah. that eight-year-old was worth all that goes into this. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's so it's funny because really, when you look at say that's what's out there in like photographic education, it's all like a model a beautiful Why? model, Why or you know a rock band, or like they're all adults that will behave like let's talk about how like the bread and butter, which is like these little kids when you say four year old one of my favorite things I'll just throw in a tip here, which you probably yeah. already know this one, but one of my favorite things is once they're about like three and a half to four, that's generally when like the reverse psychology can kick in and they can get a joke. Unless you have a very literal child. This will not work with a very literal child, but with especially middle kids or it's like number two kid that's like a little bit naughtier or whatever, is if I can go, I will maybe like fiddle with my camera and then I'll look up and say, I've got the, you know, I've got him posed. I've kind of got him where I want him. And maybe the little girl, I'll say, wait a minute, why are you sitting on my dad's lap? I did not say that you could sit on my dad. That is my dad. And they will be... Mm-hmm. That is not your dad. And they immediately like hug and it's my dad, you know, and I'm like, nope, do not touch my mom, you know, and they will immediately just like hug onto that leg or hug onto them. Sometimes it gets a little, Mm -hmm. my problem isn't, is always to pull them back from being too crazy because sometimes I get them a little too wound up. So I've had to learn to kind of throttle some of my (laughs) direction because sometimes it goes a little too far. But that's
2: um, wonderful. That's a great tip. That's uh, a fun one. Yeah, the reverse thing. Don't do, you know, and a child. Whatever that, you
1: do, don't smile at me. Right, yeah, a whatever.
2: child that's that's too smart for the situation. You run into that a lot, right? They know yeah. you're trying to manipulate them. Oh so yes. You got to go to that reverse thing. Like I just do not allow giggling. No giggling allowed. <laughs> yes. Absolutely no smiling. Please, none of you. None of you. Right. Yeah. Then. Yeah,
1: that's that's beautiful. Oh, I have to tell you be,
2: Have you written a book yet? The, yeah. Uh, yeah, with chapters on each age.
1: No, I in techniques. my in my hundred percent kid book there is a section on ages and stages. But it, uh, but good. I I've learned so much more since then. But I have to tell you, like this is my crowning glory. Okay, not only as a photographer, but as a grandmother and mother. So our kids came in. My oldest boy and his four and his wife and four sons, and their number three child is just at a complicated age. So he's like two and just full of it and wants to be big, right? And he's also very much into like, you can't make me and I will end you. I will burn your life down. So they came in.
2: Those are called terrorists.
1: He's a terrorist. Yes. hundred yeah. percent, which is my special. I specialize in terrorists. <laughs> that, that's my favorite kind of kid. So right. here comes the oldest two. They're perfectly coiffed They're cute. They come out and their eyes are really big. Like he's being really naughty. He's going to get in trouble. My son brings out the baby, he's totally fine. And I can hear that kid in there just burning it down and her trying to get him dressed. And so I said to my son, I'm like, can I try? But you know, that's complicated, right? Because you're the mother-in-law. And and his eyes got really big and he's like, well, let me see. So (laughs) he went in the bathroom and then he comes out and my daughter-in-law walks out and she's like, be my guest, be my guest. (laughs) While I was waiting for them to decide whether I could help or not, I went and grabbed a sucker. So I have it in my pocket and I walk in there. This kid is like, (laughs) like literally snot is running out of his face, tears running down. I mean, he's beet red. He's, Uh, he's got the top of his clothes on, but he's got one leg and a pair of pants, no shoes, no socks. And he's just like irrational beyond the point. So I just sat down on the floor and I looked at him and I said, buddy, are you sad? And he's like, (laughs) uh, no pictures, no pictures. Like he's not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, Did you just need some candy? And so he's like, Then he's still crying, still snot. I won't do the sound effects for you, but he, he nods as all he's still sobbing, crying, can't breathe. So I just shoved that sucker in his mouth. And I pulled him onto my lap and I said, You know what? You don't have to take pictures today. Uh-huh. And he immediately just stopped crying. I said, You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to take any pictures at all. You don't even have to put on these clothes. And he's looking at me like, I know there's got to be a here because he's super smart. And I said, you know, Davis and Calvin, his older brothers, I said, they're outside and they're going to get some toys. Did you want some toys today? Yeah, I want some toys. I'm like, okay, if you want some toys, all we need to do is we're just going to take a few pictures. But if you don't want to, it's completely fine. Mm. And he's like, I go, but do you want toys? Yeah. And I'm like, would it be okay if we put your pants on? Yeah. I'm like, okay, how about socks? Would it be okay if we put your socks on? Yeah. So we wiped his face off. We came out. He's totally fine. So through the whole rest of the session, I just said to him, is it okay if mom sits by you? Is it okay if dad sits over here? I let him run the entire session. And my daughter-in-law is like, what did you do?
2: What just happened?
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is it's not like I'm a better parent or anything, because obviously that was like a quick fix in a, in a moment in time. But I realized like this is not going to happen if I don't get this no. kid turned around.
2: You Yes. But photographers, if you've dealt with families, we know a lot more than the parents, those young parents do about their own children. And that that will never be easy to explain to those parents. They will never understand completely that that's the case. But um, when you're describing this, I'm thinking you should, you know, if you get tired of photography, you should be a hostage negotiator. (laughs) Totally. Right. Because it's exactly the same principles. Right. Yeah. You have to convince them that it's their idea and somehow, and that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, sorry that that took the time, but I I just think (sighs) that so much of what we do, you know, when you come out of something like that and you think, oh my gosh, or you talk to clients that say, my kid has never cooperated
2: during pictures.
1: Yeah. You know, or my husband always hates it or whatever. Don't you
2: look forward to those?
1: I know it's my favorite because if you can turn that around, they're yours for
2: life. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of satisfaction in that. And I think it's I think even more than money. You know, I know that's that's heresy, but uh <laughs> I just at the end of my career, those are the moments I will remember, you know, and I'm nearing that, so I I can say that honestly. Yeah. And and going back to to history, I know that you know, we've got these little images that are scattered across the country that they're little are babies and they're out there forever and and if there was a true story in the image and if if we weren't trying to glamorize it too much or you know overcook it or try to create some kind of fantasy then that image will stay on the wall and you know might come down for a while but it'll get pulled back out you know in someone's middle age and become valuable i know because i just we just went through all my wife's family history and all the pictures ended up at our house from six children. And, and so we had to, you know, photograph them all, digitize them all and go through it all. And, and none of those have been thrown out. And some are some are honest and some were silly. They're all valuable. But those, those ones that illustrate their relationship, where they were touching, hugging, they were connecting. Something real. Yeah. There, where there was some emotion involved in, rather than just a confrontational, you know, likeness. Yeah. Man, those are just treasures. That, and that's kinda of, I know that becomes a cliche, but that is what's important to me at the end of the day, more than and my dad boy, he didn't care a bit about money. Um yeah. luckily he had my mom to to run the books, you know. And yeah talk to the clients and do some sales, but that's okay. So because he didn't care a bit. It's just about creating the image and improving it. And that's been my life too, is you call it keeping it fresh and i I've used that term a lot to trying to just boredom drives me like I just can't stand to create another image that's uh mediocre or that's been done too many times, so we're all over the place you we, you talked about trends and avoiding trends you Not, know,
1: but I think it it's all holds together because what you're saying. The reason I love to talk to you is because we do share at the core such a worldview, which, and I think where we align is like you're saying, I, I'm so easily bored. You know, th- and when I first decided, okay, I'm only going to do studio, and I'm shooting on a white background or a gray background, and that's it. So I'm not changing my backgrounds, and I'm photographing families year after year after year. And you think, okay, how do you make that different? Well, how you make that different is that the people
2: yeah.
1: are different, and they're they like different things, they are acting in different ways, but then they're also the same. And so, how are you showing that continuity and how those relationships evolve over time, and telling that story? I just find people endlessly fascinating. I find psychology and kids and how they interact and how different and unique they are and yet how not different and not unique they are at the same time. Like that oldest child is just, you know how that's going to roll. And then that second one and just watching how those dynamics play out. But then also when you're in that moment with those clients in that session and especially when I'm photographing the kids and I have the parents in there with me, To have them sit there and see those kids with that 30,000 foot view, like that you get when you're watching them walk across the stage at a graduation, or they can see what they've created. They can see the relationship between those kids, and you can see that, like, they're so glad that they did it. You know, it allows them to pull out of the day to day and really see. This great thing that they've complicated hard, but it's great at the end of the day
2: well that's that's such a great statement that's your genius I and what I admire so much is the idea that there's infinite variety in just the expression and the body language and, and the, the the group dynamics without having to go stand on a mountaintop at sunrise uh, right. it's, it's all there's at the end of the day there's nothing more fascinating to photograph than the human face you know and body if it's expressive and just drawing out those expressions is your genius of course and i love the way that you've narrowed it down to that and that's been an inspiration to me and that that's why that's you know it's that's a big influence on on us here um going back into the studio and trying to work on with less around them. we will continue to do garden portraits we will because because that's our, our thing our brand but but i crave a little less and so that's what we're working on now
1: even with your like your garden portraits it's still so spare and that's what i love about your work i i feel like even when you're shooting on a location you still reduce that in such a spare way that has a fresh modern take to it even your quote unquote old stuff i can see that through line like your style is So recognizable. And I think that if we go back to the beginning of this conversation where you're talking about, you know, your clients recognize your style that's consistent and it's so clear what it is that you do. And I think that as much or more than anything, and the fact that like the work is great. And they're taking care of it. All of that—that's what's brought you through. So you have—you're not just changing on the dime, like, oh my gosh, we need to be printing everything on metal, and it needs to be, you know, whatever this latest trend is. You you just stay the course, but you're not just stuck because we all know photographers that have gotten stuck, right? That are still just doing the same thing. Yeah. And you could say it's classic, or you could say that it is kind of boring stuck. and stale, right? Yeah, so I can see the evolution you're still evolving. And so that's kind of an interesting topic too. Like how do you stay classic, but yet still evolve?
2: Right. How do you keep that continuity? Or, I think, you know, the, yeah, there there are some principles that stay the same. And through all that, we, we could be outdoors or out on the salt flats or in the studio. And we'd still be expression-driven is a term I use, which pretty much means they're looking at the camera and we're close to enough crop to not... So we, we shoot very, very few real scenic portraits where we are dependent on the scenery, even if we're out in, out there on site. And we do shoot on location quite a bit. We have some nearby locations that we'll go to. Mm-hmm. But there is a continuity in the crop. And then, of course, the lighting. So we're using a supplementary light when we're outdoors, a pretty large softbox, or we'll set up a six by six foot scrim and shoot light through it so that we really have that that studio softbox look um, when when we're outdoors. I think that helps people recognize our work. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll shoot a long lens.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: a that's a style point that we've never really got away from. So on a family group, a hundred and fifty millimeter lens is not unusual. You know, we'd be standing out in the middle of the street in our yard. Yeah, very often take an orange cone out with us and stand <laughs> there. Or please cross don't kill the, the photographer. Yeah, <laughs> right. Would you please? That's great a gag for the children, you know, like if yeah. you see if the UPS truck comes, who's going to tell me? Yeah, Are you going to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to be looking in the camera. And I, yeah. I, you don't want to see your photograph. I don't want to get killed. You know? But long lens is um, that's a style point that really does change the look of an image, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. that little bit of bulk compression. In the background. compression and it reduces the information in the background. Mm-hmm. So we can that's driven by. Shooting in the middle of the day, you know mm-hmm. we've got to find little pockets of decent light, and we just could not shoot with the twenty four to seventy lens families, and I think that's kind of the very commonly the go to family lens because you can stand close enough to speak to them, yep, but we always shoot with a, an assistant, and that assistant's often running back and forth, yeah or the photographer or the assistant standing at the camera, firing it, and the photographers moving back and forth, yeah. Yeah. So as far away as we can get. <laughs>
1: I know. Same. That's yeah. so funny. That's I I love I'm the same too. Because I, I do I see people that are photographing so up close and I'm like, wow, that would be such an advantage to be able to be closer so they could hear me. So maybe that's why I'm screaming all the time because I'm like with my seventy to two hundred in the back of the room because <laughs> yeah. I want the compression, you know.
2: Yeah, that's right. I need a yeah, I wish I I would like a larger camera. Room
1: totally. I want an airplane hanger. Reason. I mean, half of it for all the,
2: like, furniture you know and what stools. I've, I've photographed families in a large, you know, big studio. I know, it's not the borrowed, same. And it's, it gets echoey and yes. you lose the intimacy. So there's something in the middle there. Personally, I think it's 40 feet.
1: Yes, wide by what's
2: deep. Your, what's your depth, the ideal depth for a family portrait?
1: Well, I'm thir- You want
2: 50 feet, you want... 40, I wish I had, I'd
1: love 50, 60, 40. I'm at, I'm at 35 right now and that's pretty good. But you can see, if you go to my studio, you can see the, where the je- my jeans are rubbing up against the wall. Like I'm uh, literally against the wall all the time. Yeah, well, you have to lean on. I know, well, that's true. So I'm always up against, but yeah, I think like 35. So our camera room is like 35 deep by the space is like 15 wide because we're limited by this structural beam, you know, the right, post that's right. in the ground. But I would love to have that. 35 to 40 wide by 35 to 40 deep would be like so Ideal. good. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. I, we rented a studio one time and it was, had this huge psych, and it was probably like 60 by 60. And it was, I felt like it was a little too cavernous.
2: Yeah. There's, there's some, there's a little uh, sound problem and yeah. the people feel not as connected. I'm looking at one of my own family was done on a big site like that, uh, right now. And we pulled it off, but you know what? You get used to anything. I could, if you're going to give me a sixty by sixty room, I would take it.
1: Are you kidding we, me? I would. I would love just it.
2: divide it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We're in an old house, and I imagine you know a lot of people face this issue. We're one of our chem rooms is well, like twenty four feet long, so we had to develop. One problem is is like c- you couldn't fit large soft boxes in there, and I like big soft lights, mm-hmm. so. So we built years ago, we started building these north lights and where it's just a, a wall of acrylic plastic where the light's bouncing through it and doesn't take up so much space. But I've always dealt with too small a space, and and I think a lot of us do. But that, I, that shooting a family there, you know what? Can I just mention a project that's yeah. been a real thrill for me, speaking of long lenses? I just started a project this year photographing old character Tuscans. In Italy, in their barns, in their workshops, at their theater, uh, in the kitchen, wherever they are, Um, usually octogenarians, uh, people that uh, it's kind of this last generation that remembers World War Two. They were these folks were children during that time. But they lived through that post-war rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular village that I spent a lot of time in. And so I got talking to some friends about these old men that, that hang out on the streets. And and, uh, and they all have nicknames and they all have nothing better to do because their houses are small. So they don't want to sit around in the house with their wife. Right. So the men are on the street. <laughs> the women are <laughs> and, in the house. The women are in the house. And I said, I wonder if we could, you know, do a project. So so I went over, and I've always photographed these men when I'm visiting over there, but just short little encounters. But this time we organized uh, some time so we could get into their place they hang out. One guy mm-hmm. that fixes Vespa scooters. and He's got 150 Vespas all torn apart in this one oh room. Oh my gosh, so cool. And, and out on a farm where, you know, this group of cousins all in their late 70s still live there. And produce everything that they eat. Never go into town. They're just completely isolated on this farm. So photographing with their cows and their pigs, and but it's all short limbs. That's the point of the story. And it's just so refreshing for me. I'm shooting like 35 millimeter lens, which I've never done at the studio. And um, doing. I'm working close to them, and all completely found light. And and so this is. um, a collection that, that I'm doing some video and getting their voices on uh, recorded so that we've got so great more to work with. But I photographed about a dozen or 15 different people this October, this last year, and, and I'm, I'm excited. I feel like, you know, as much as I love the studio and I do get completely obsessed by the business and swallowed by it, it's been really important for me to break away and have a personal photographic project. You know, my wife would say do, do something without the camera for a change, you know. But right. But for me, it's just as different to go out to be out of my comfort zone and photographing. And luckily that our business model and the way the studio's set up, it's let me leave for a month at a time, a couple of times every year, and business rolls on without me. So
1: yeah. Well, and then you've created another business out of the Italy workshops.
2: Yeah, it's it's a hobby, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it looks like a business. It has a website and all that. Yeah. But re, in reality, it's it's my way of escaping yeah. work, the to playing, you know. It really is. Cause I wouldn't uh I I don't know, I, I wouldn't go on my own on these adventures. I would always find a reason not to, you know, it's oh it's somebody's birthday or
1: yeah,
2: my mom's not well, or if unless I was forced to do it. So I I created a company, <laughs> let's call it and uh, I'm forced to go spend time and put on these workshops and, and give the tours. But this oh, this amazing. project is completely personal. I mean, I, I just did it alone with yeah. with some Italian friends and that was like a third leg of my I love life that. now. Yeah.
1: Well, but I think as we wrap this up, I think the thing that really strikes me is that there's a lot of through lines and that's the legacy that your parents started and that you've continued and that you're panning on to your boys, and that's that There's an authenticity and a realness about your work. It's also, there's an authenticity and realness about how you want to live your life. And so what you're saying is like, of course, money is important to everybody. Your business needs to be able to thrive to support those families and to be able to support your employees and also support your dreams of traveling to Italy and doing projects like this but it's not just an end in and of itself and then with all baked into all of that is the love of family and the connection between people and as you have captured that and provided that legacy for your clients that has brought return back to you again and again so you found this niche and you've just stayed the course while continually evolving yourself creatively and i think it's it's a testament to what a great industry we're in! What a great business this is! It really, truly has so much meaning and so much value for us who own the businesses, but also for the clients that
2: we serve. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I can't think of you know very many other businesses where you can really get tied up emotionally every day. I guess you know medical fields, but it's not you know it's not happy emotions.
1: No, and it's there's so much at
2: stake. You. Yeah. You're right. I love, I love that about it. It's, it's, you're pretty deeply involved and yet we're not saving lives. I remember uh, Dean Collins, an old hero of mine said, said that once. Remember guys, we're not saving lives here, you know. Right. <laughs> if you mess up, except I think you said, except your wedding photographers, maybe. Yeah, I know. But, but. I, but no, I, I'm driven by the by capturing the images uh much more than the money part of it. And I realized that just recently because I thought I was a business man, you know. I've always thought, oh, we're a little kind of a little Nordstrom, you know, we're a we're kind of we're not the boutique studio. We're more of a retail model, but we're on the, the higher end of that. And mm-hmm. we're we're good at customer service and we're we produce a, a consistently good product that people can trust. And I took a lot of pride in building the business that way and treating it, even though we're a little ma and pa micro business, treating it like it was a bigger business. And I think that was very important to getting through the big changes, I think. But at the end of the day, now in my 60s, I'm realizing that uh, I could have done that in a lot of different fields and made more money, you know? Mm-hmm. I really stuck with this because I enjoy the the conquering that two year old yeah or doing the um seeing my portraits hanging on the wall the governor's portrait, you know at the Capitol yeah. building, where I really get a lot of satisfaction, so I am my dad,
1: yeah, I, I really,
2: and i boy, I resisted that for a long time, I thought I'd never hear me say that. I thought I'd never hear myself say that. Yeah.
1: Because when you're younger, you don't want to be your parents.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can I tell you, can I brag a little bit? Yeah. Something special that just happened Yes. that, that my dad would just burst with pride over. Yes. We won an award called Best of State this year for the entire category, the entire industry of arts and entertainment in Utah. And so we've won this award for Best of State Photographer, you know, Every twelve years in a row, I think uh, but this time they called our name and this, this is a dinner for a thousand people black tie It's a big event, and they called us up to give us the award for the arts and entertainment category, which is all the theaters, all the the symphony, the ballet, the opera, all the artists, all the galleries all the, the painters, all the musicians, wow. the movie, it's a big category. And they this little committee sat and I just I was shocked that they chose this little, you know, portrait studio. But it, it just tells me that this committee of business people thought enough of a little modern pop portrait studio that they would consider us for that and that was encouraging to me about the future of our industry mm-hmm. that we're, we're not in any way obsolete nope uh, that we were kind of on, on the move and maybe they just they're noticing us for the first time when we used to be a commodity and now we're something really special and so i'm, I'm very proud of that and and i thought at the moment the only thing i could think of going up to the podium was man dad would be I know just bursting with pride right
1: over this. So, I know. Well, especially. he he was he saw it. He was there. I'm convinced. I know. Whenever we do something, you know, something great, I would just my siblings. We we call ourselves the Tyler Orphans because we lost our parents pretty young, and so we'll always say we'll we'll just call each other and say, "Okay, Mom would be so proud," <laughs> you know, mm. and then we just brag. So. I love that. I know your dad would be so, so, so proud of what you've done and so proud of your boys and this legacy that you're continuing on. It's so much fun to watch. And I think the thing that is a real inspiration to me that I draw your example is how to do something well and stick with it while continuing to evolve around the edges. You know, you're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater every year. And okay, we're going to do all new things. And we're going to pull up the gardens and do steel backgrounds and go industrial. And we're going to go downtown to the railroad tracks. And no, it's just like, there's a through line of camera aware. I, I took notes yesterday. So you tell me if I'm right. Yeah. Classic style, natural skin tones, expression-driven, and that it's just beautiful, but expression-driven and seeing those connections between people.
2: Yeah, and add to that beauty-driven because, you know, we kind of get... That's a trend that we can get carried off in is let's make it interesting. Let's make Mm -hmm. it grittier. Let's make it grungy. Let's make it glamorous. And if, if beauty is, is, is on that list of priorities, then that uh, keeps you in the classical category. Because any, and when I say classical, I think Romans and Greek ideals, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they're popularized again. In the renaissance but these are principles that they're natural and beautiful those are Mm -hmm. two real trade you know hallmarks of classical style and and that's a trend that is easy to lose track of if you're trying to be creative especially with editing today right so natural you mentioned natural skin tones yes and that's something that's it's it's hard to resist sometimes you know the the cinematic or or post-production effects and, and the desaturation and the we get Pulled off that way. I do because mm-hmm. I just love Photoshop, you know, and, and I watch millions of tutorials <laughs> yeah. all the time. I watch one movie and then three tutorials. That's my nightly diet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but my sons pull me back. Wait a minute. It's beauty that we're, we're looking for. So let's go back to the natural skin tones and stick with it. I appreciate that's a, that's a great compliment, though. Thank you very much that you've noticed that um, there's a continuity and that it's um, freshened up now and then.
1: No, it's not freshened up now and then. It's I think you're just you doing yourself a disservice. But you're the king of self-deprecation. <laughs> it's that you're. I think the thing that keeps it fresh is the real. That's the thing. That's the real. You know, when you look back, even at those really old photographs like back in the day when they had to hold really still every now and then you'd see one where like maybe it was blurry but they had a little moment where a kid laughed or put their hand on somebody or like that gesture that's where it's all that's where all the magic is and those are the images that when they're collecting them as the older people they're going to be like I remember that I remember sitting on my dad's lap and leaning into him and I always love to be with him and those are the those little tiny stories it's not the big huge illustration it's those little tiny things that make all the difference and that requires you know all the things that we've just talked about you know being in control directing but also allowing them to be themselves and and you guys have done it for 50 years and i just so appreciate you being here to share that valuable info with us
2: well it's a privilege to be asked thank you
1: tell our listeners where they can find you the safe but also i want you to tell them about the italy workshop
2: too okay our website which is Always two or three years behind. Oh, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everybody knows that. Everybody can. Every photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Is Busafe.com. By the way, no one knows how to say our name. So if if you don't know how to say it, don't feel bad. But it's long U and long A, Busafe. B U S -S A T H. B U S A T -T H.com. And then um, I have this other little uh, concern called Italy Workshops. And that's ItalyWorkshops.com. And that's uh, trips that we organize for photographers um, in the spring and the fall. And
1: And if you have a a chance to go on that, Ivan and I went with the group with him and it was, he knows all the little out-of-the-way places and the most amazing experiences. And it's just life-changing. I would, I kind of want to say I'm never going to go to Italy without you. So you're just going to have to come with us no matter when we go.
2: I'm happy for that. Yeah, I love it. I love the villages, the small, we don't go to the cities, you know, it's those small real experiences where you can photograph something that you, you know, that you're not the 10th person to photograph it that day and and people, um, that's more and more part of the workshop is meeting people in their places, in their homes and and being out, out on dirt roads instead of highways. And yeah, so that's amazing. Italy is an endless country in the sense that there's always a new little village that you haven't seen, you know. And I've been going there for, I don't know, 40 years and uh, and doing these workshops for 20. And I still, every time I go, I find some new, new little place. that's I love just that. charming. Yeah. 2022. Or no,
1: 2023. 2022. We're going to do France together and do a workshop in France. And then we're going to go to Italy.
2: Yes, let your listeners know that um, I have asked you to be the instructor in the Loire Valley in France, central France, in 2023, in the fall, probably. We don't know. And um, they're just, I can't imagine a better combination than the whole Loire Valley and all those big, beautiful chateaus and the French food, the peasant food, you know. Mm-hmm. And Allison Tyler Jones, but that's that's a week.
1: And Ivan Jones, our French speaker, who will be translating. Uh, Ivan, for Ivan will be
2: translating. He'll be he'll be making friends along the way and char, yes. you know, schmoozing and getting us into cool places. Exactly, exactly.
1: Oh, Drake, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Do you know someone who would really benefit from this episode of the rework? Maybe a fellow photographer who's in the trenches with you and always looking to level up their biz. Or perhaps you have a friend who is struggling to make their business work. I would be so grateful if you would share this episode with them. All you have to do is head to the platform where you are listening, click the share icon and text it or email it to the person that you think could need it most. Thank you so much for doing that. And while you're there, if you have a chance and can give us a review, it would mean the world. We are a micro tiny podcast and we're trying to get the word out to as many portrait photographers as possible to help them build better businesses and better lives for their family. And if you would help us do that, it would mean the world. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on The Rework.